Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be in the house of God. Amen. It's always an honor to um, open his word with you and never take it lightly. God's word is sharper than any double-edged sword and um, it's alive and active and um, it's a good word. Amen. Let us bow and just invite the Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord, that you're already here and um, you, you've gone before us, Lord, and, and you know every person sitting in this room, every person watching online, Lord, and um, you've already set in motion how you want to speak to them, how you want to bring forth healing and um, encouragement, conviction, Lord. Your word is profitable for, for all these things, Lord, and so we cling to your word as, as a living hope, and we thank you, Lord in advance for the transformation that you're doing in each one of our lives, Lord. We're excited. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. You know, we've been talking about um, the walk of faith. Um, I've just been reflecting on, on the things that's been shared over the pulpit. And, you know, Pastor Jay, um, if you're unaware, he's recovering from the flu. And um, we were talking about the the foundations course and we we got plugged into that and I feel like we got a lot of um, just download and got fortified in our faith with the foundations course and and recently Pastor Jay has been talking about the walk of faith your walk of faith and so as I was meditating on the walk of faith I thought to myself this is this is a journey that Christians embark on that is not for the faint of heart right? It's, it's, it's not for the ones who want to take it easy. It's not for the ones that want a carefree lifestyle. It's not a life void of struggle. Amen? And we have to remind ourselves of that because there's many people, even in the faith, that come into the faith and they think, oh, well, you know, you accept Jesus and you get into the faith and everything's going to go well with you and for you. And that's not the case. It's a paradigm shift, amen? There's, there's something different about following Jesus. And, and the main difference is we still struggle. We still um, deal with depression. We still deal with sin. We still have heartache and pain. But the main Jesus is we have someone to come to. We have hope in our lives, amen? We're, there's answers to our problems. That's the difference, amen? And so we are labeled in the faith as a warrior. It's not for the faint of heart, but no, we're warriors. The Bible says that um, we're fighting the good fight. That's a warrior. The Bible says that we're an athlete. Why? Because we're running the race. It says, lay a hold every side, lay a hold the things that beset you and run the race. Look to Jesus and run the race with patience and endurance. Amen? And then it says that we are a soldier. And these are just things I want to remind you of who you are in Christ. You're a warrior, you're an athlete, and you're a soldier. It says that our, our um, fight is not against flesh and blood. When you're, when you're in a, a disagreement with your, your spouse or your partner, it's, it's really not about what, what you see face to face. It's a spiritual attack. It's a spiritual fight. And so we are warriors fit for battle. If we are in Christ, we're actually fit for battle. Amen. Amen. This is good news. Matthew seven thirteen, 
reminds me, enter through the narrow gate. I'm reminding you that this isn't for the faint of heart. Okay, we have to enter through the narrow gate because the masses are going through the broad gate. The masses are not choosing to wake up every Sunday morning and come to church after they've had 11 days, 12 days of working straight. That's the broad gate. But the Bible says that the broad gate leads to destruction, and many enter there by it. I'm just quoting scripture. But small is the gate, narrow is the gate that leads to life. How, how, how many of you want life, amen, and life more abundantly? And only few find it. I declare that that few is you and I. I declare that you are the few. You are the warrior. You are the athlete, and you are the soldier, amen? Get excited about that because that is who you are. This is good news. You know, my cheer coach, when I was in the seventh grade, probably about 12 or 13 years old, um, he used to say, if cheering was easy, everybody would be here. And I'm sitting there, my 12-year-old self, and after a full three months of summer, rigorously training and, and trying to prove myself to be... Um, picked to be on this cheer squad when I went into intermediate school, I was picked as an alternate. I was the backup. I was, I was the one that if she sprang her ankle, then you could go in. That was me. And can I tell you that I felt unworthy? Can I tell you that after all that time of spending time with those group of girls, that, and I had worked hard, I probably lost a few pounds, I was stronger than I was before, you know, every single day, summertime, working, doing the push-ups, doing all the things, and I was the backup. I didn't feel a part of. I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel qualified. Like I didn't measure up. I barely made it. And until someone else had dropped out, and I, it, was, it, it was until someone else dropped out that I got to be on the team. And I finally was like, I'm on the cheer team for real. And you know, I was thinking about that. It, 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 it left an impression on me. And I was thinking about that, and I said, you know what? I equate that to the walk of faith in some ways. Because as people who find the Lord, who find faith in Jesus, all of a sudden we're entering this race, we're entering this fight, we're entering this battle. And can anybody raise their hand and say that there's many times, especially in the beginning, that you, you didn't feel qualified, that you didn't feel like you measured up, that maybe you had fallen one too many times. And then here, somebody like many of us who've been in the faith for a while, and you, you find yourself from time to time gratifying the desires of the flesh, the weakness of the flesh, rather than leaning into the Spirit of God. And then you get that condemnation, that whisper again that says, you're not qualified. Are you really a Christian? 
You know, when those moments come, when I don't feel qualified, I remind myself that I got to get out of my mind. The Bible says, renew your mind with the word of God. And you know, even coming up here on a Sunday morning, there's many times where I feel unqualified. And you know what I do? I'm just going to tell you what you can do when you feel unqualified. You can turn to Isaiah chapter 61. And this is what Isaiah chapter 61 says. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. See, the Lord doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And I'm here to tell you this morning that each and every one of you are called by God. You are called out of darkness and into his light. You are called to bring forth the great commission. You are called to be a light on a hill. Each one of us are called. And if we are called, then we are anointed. You are the woman for the job and you have all the grace. You lack nothing that his grace cannot give you. You are qualified to reach your family, to reach the people in your space and in in your age group. Amen? Amen? Not because you, you are called, not because you are qualified, because actually you're not qualified. <laughs> and so it's, it's, that, it's that interesting paradigm. It's, I don't even think that's the word, paradigm, but I ask this to Pastor Jay and my dad all the time. I'm like, it's it's like you're saying this, Lord, but you're saying this, right? Because we, um, we go to Isaiah 61 and we say, yes, Lord, I'm qualified. Yes, I'm called. Or I'm, I'm called and I'm anointed. And, and you, you, you receive that on for yourself. But then there's other times when I look in the word and I say, well, Abraham didn't feel qualified. And actually Abraham wasn't qualified. God gave him instruction. God gave him a word. He took him outside and he said, look at the stars. He goes, you will have as many, the generation, as the stars. And not long later, he decides to listen to his wife. And the plan that had unfolded was they had, it wasn't the plan that God had for them. So can you imagine how unqualified he felt when God said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations? And then I thought of somebody else, uh, Moses. I thought of how Moses didn't feel qualified. Especially after he murdered the Egyptian. Remember, he was, he was in the house of Pharaoh, and then he, he looked out, and he realized that that's his people, the Jewish people. And then he was like, man, you're... You're, you're not treating my people right. And so he goes and, and then it, it gets out of hand and he kills the Egyptian. And then it, it gets, the word gets out. And so he runs away in his, in his condemnation or in his guilt. He runs away. But yet the Lord in his kindness still called him. What am I getting at? I'm getting at, what I'm getting at is we're actually not qualified, but God still calls us. Remember, then he's gone long time. Moses is gone long time. And then Jesus, God shows up in a burning bush and he says, Moses, you're the man for the job, Moses. Not because you got it all together, but because if you cling to me, my power will show forth in your weakness. Amen. It's good news. I love that because even when we disqualify ourselves, 
people like Moses, people like Abraham. Even when we disqualify ourselves, God still calls us. And he says, you know what? You still got a seat at the table. I still got a plan for you. I still want to show my power in your weakness because that's just, the, that's just the things that I do. He longs to pursue a relationship with you. So remember as you walk in Christ, don't allow condemnation to be what comes over you. But instead, be confronted with the revelation that Jesus loves you, that he's calling you, and walk out your faith. Amen? Walk out your faith. None of us are called. None of us are qualified, but we're all called by God. You know, when, I'm, when I meditated on our walk of faith, I thought, okay, Lord, our walk of faith. What is our walk of faith? Not necessarily just what is faith, but what does it look like for a person on the, on the walk of faith, right? On the journey of faith. And two things came to my mind. Transition and position. If you're taking notes, write those two things down. Transition and position. And the first thing that came, not the first thing, but one of the things that came to my mind when I thought of transition, I actually didn't want to share, but I feel like it's one of the things that needs to be addressed even in the church. Transition. Okay, I'm not sure. I mean, we live in Maui. We live in the island, so it might not be as prevalent as um, in the United States, okay? But just listen to this for a second. Transition. Planned Parenthood gives a lengthy section on their website to gender transition, okay? Gender transition. In all its array, it's a topic you can click on it. You can get all this information on gender transition and how they will help you accomplish that. Is it something that you've heard of before, Isaiah? Gender transition? Okay. It's a topic in our culture that the masses, the broad way that's, lead, that's being led to destruction, it's, it's a topic that is being accepted as good and even healthy to those who feel trapped in their own bodies gender transition and I was like Lord I, I kind of had another thought with the transition thing and this this gender transition just kept coming to my mind and the Lord said I want you to breathe on that I want you to breathe my word on that we live in a society society that not only tolerates this type of behavior but it but we welcome it we welcome people's foolish choices based on, many times, fickle feelings. However, other times, issues like transgender, same-sex marriage, homosexuality, I'll even make it broader, teen rebellion, absurd conduct, all these things are really a search for a void that only Christ can fill. 
and they're searching for this void because Christ put that void inside of us. Do we understand that? That Christ put that void that only he can satiate, only he can fill. And we have a vast majority, a broad road of people that are searching for Christ and they're finding it in all these counterfeit ways. But specifically, this gender transition just, just kind of, it, it stirred me. Because our children in public schools and our young people who have access to social media and online without boundaries are falling prey to this ideology. It's, it's a radical world we're living in. It's radical. But it's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. Amen? And when I thought about this, I, I thought, Lord, what is, what is the cry? What is, what is the cry of my heart? Where, where do I go from here? Where, where do I go with these thoughts? It, 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 um, it fires me up for you, Lord, and for your holiness and your righteousness. And I thought of, I'm going to call him Uncle Mordecai from Esther chapter 4. Do you guys remember the story of Esther? Esther got into the palace and she was doing her thing. And then all of a sudden, there was a genocide that was going to be called on the Jewish people. They were going to be wiped out because of this one man who hated the Jews. And Uncle Mordecai told her, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, he said. But you and your father's family will perish. And then he says this, And who knows, but if that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. That fired me up. Because as a mama bear, I thought to myself, there is a solution to these problems. And I carry the solution. Gender transition is far more accepted. Gender transition is far from acceptable. Excuse me, let me make sure I say that right. It's far from acceptable in the eyes of a holy God who fashioned each human with his mighty hand. Designed each and every one of us by his, his creativity. And it made me go to the very first book of the Bible in Genesis, chapter 1, verse 27, it says, God created man in his own image, not in their image, not in the image that they want to be changed to later on, not in the image of how they feel at the time, but God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them. And then this is what he says. He says this about no other thing that he created, but he says this about, the, about how, when he fashioned a man. He said, God saw what he had made, and it is very good. We have no right to change what it is that God had fashioned. Amen. I just, as we walk out our faith, I thought, what, what do we do? What do we do? And the Lord said, 
reminded me of Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way that he shall go. And when he is old, he will not depart from them. Deuteronomy 11:19 says, teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit down and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, I want to encourage all the parents, all the aunties, all the tutus, all the, all the uncles to teach and preach and show through your faith, through your actions, through your life, the word of God to our children. The, this passage in Deuteronomy says, teach, your teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit down and when you walk along the road. God was telling um, the people of Israel, make sure that you talk about the goodness of God and what I brought you out of when you left Egypt because your children will not remember, they will not know the goodness and the, and the miracle working power that I did. So you need to tell them. You need to tell them when you wake up, when you go to sleep. All the time you need to be talking about the goodness of God, the, the precepts of God, the truth of God, because otherwise they will not know. And so this is, this is my approach in my parenting. And this is my approach that I want to give you as you walk out your faith in influencing the next generation. It's less about highlighting all this evil that's happening, right? So we're not going to go to the kids and we're going to be like, oh, well, there's, there's this going on and this is bad and this is bad and this is bad and this is bad because it's really just going to create a, a lot of judgment, right? And a lot of pushback. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to teach them the word of God. We're going to teach them the truth of God's word. When God made male and female, it is good. Amen? And so what's going to happen is when we open the word of God with our children, they are going to know from the Holy Spirit within and from the word of God how to discern what is right and wrong. Isn't that a better perspective? Isn't that a better approach to teaching our children as we walk out faith alongside of them? But I promise you, teaching our children the truth of God's word or not teaching them will be the difference between what happens in the next generation. And I don't know about you, but I am very convicted that the generation we have today, that we see today, has a lot to do with us. But like Queen Esther, we can hold up the word of God. We can have the boldness. We can be courageous in our parenting, in our influence, practice what we preach, be doers of the word and not hearers only. And I promise you, God will breathe life and there will be revival in the next generation. Lisa, you've got a call on your life, not because you're qualified, but because God called you into this place. And you are doing, you and your team are going to be doing mighty works. And you continue to press forward in the name of Jesus. And he will water the seeds that you plant in the name of Jesus. Hali'i Miley will not be a generation forgotten. Amen? We have to believe it with all of our heart. And we have to run the race. we got to be soldiers 
We gotta be warriors. Our children and our children's children depend on it. It fires me up. It should fire you up. You know, I was doing homeschool with my kids. I homeschool my four kids, and we were going over homophones. Does anybody know what a homophone is? It's a word that sounds the same, but it has a different meaning and different um, spelling, right? So right and right, flower and flower, four and four, pair and pair. We're going over homophones. And this mom decided to pause the session of the grammar language and I said, we're going to talk about homosexuals. We're going to talk about what God says is good and what God says leads to a life of destruction. And did I sit there and talk about how bad homosexuals are and how da-da-da-da-da-da-da and have all this, give them this, puke response when they see a man and a man together? Absolutely not. But did I open their eyes to a world lost and searching for hope? Yes, I did. I'll tell you another story. My daughter, a couple months ago, was riding around the cul-de-sac. And there's a little girl that lives at the end of the cul-de-sac. She is also a homeschool little girl. I'm not sure that they're people of faith, but, you know, she's She's just a little more chill, so to speak. And so, and she's younger than Kendall. She's like seven years old. Kendall's 12. And so she, they go and, you know, they, they play with bugs and things. And I'm, I'm like, she's good. <laughs> well, she comes back one afternoon and she said, oh, mom, I, know, I met another girl in the cul-de-sac. And I said, oh, cool. She goes, yeah, she was telling me. And I thought I, I, thought I shouldn't be alarmed, but I was alarmed. She was like, yeah, she was telling me about our cousins that live down the street and how when they go to school, um, you know, they're talking about sex and boys and things. This is a 10-year-old little girl. As we walk out our faith with our children, it is essential that we ask the Holy Spirit when to build layer upon layer and have these hard conversations, these uncomfortable conversations, because if we don't, someone else will. And this is what I'm going to say. She, because we have discussed sexuality and sex with my daughter at an age-appropriate time in her 12-year-old life, she was able to deflect that conversation and say, yeah, well, you know, that's kind of like, that's really parent stuff, like that's adult stuff, why don't we just go keep riding our bike? And she didn't want to, she didn't, she wasn't hungry for something that she'd already been taught, amen? And the thing is, our, our children are going to be curious about these things, but we are the people who walk out fate with them. We are the ones that, are, that should be training them. We are the ones that should be shining the light of God on their lives. Amen. It's so important. It's so, so important. I feel like the church 
has to speak louder on these issues. I feel like sometimes we, we shy away because we feel like it's not, um, it's not really a church thing to talk about. But I think if it's important to God, then it should be important to us. And I feel like we have to be better at not picking parts of the Bible out, but we have to help each other with everyday situations, everyday problems, everyday issues. And these are one of the issues that are on hand. And so if, there, if there's anybody in here or anybody that you know that are dealing with these issues or they're not sure how to approach these issues, please come to me. Not because I'm qualified, but because I will open the word with you. And we will ask the Lord how to navigate whatever it is. Raising our children, sexual abuse, any kind of abuse, lying, cheating, stealing. The things that are, are just sucking the life out of God's people. No more. It has to stop. Amen. He's given us the tools. He's given us the grace. He's given us the power. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, as I, as, I, as I thought about solutions and as I thought about approaches to these things like transition, the loudest answer that I had was that we are to be people that are teaching even our children repentance. Repentance and the gospel. Because even as a young person, they need to know that all has fallen short of the glory of God. And without Jesus Christ, they are nothing. Amen? Preach the gospel. If you don't know what to preach, if you don't know what to say in any situation, share the good news of Jesus Christ. And that is always that Christ loves you no matter what. And he came to save you from your sin, so that you don't no longer have to walk in darkness anymore. Amen? I can back that up by reminding you that John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, what did he preach? He, pro he preached repentance. And then in Matthew chapter 5, let's just go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. Um, I'm sorry, not Matthew chapter 5. In uh, chapter 3, it says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. That's what John the Baptist preached. And then in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 17, Christ's first message was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so that is what we want to present to those that, are coming alongside of us, new in the faith, as we walk in the faith, walk out the faith journey, amen, is repent. Repent means to turn from your sin, turn from your wrong thinking, turn from the things that are leading you down the broad road of destruction, and come and follow me. He says repent, and then in verse 19, he says, come, follow me. That means follow my ways, follow my word, Follow my principles, and you're going to be all right. Amen? 
the transition as we walk out our faith aside from gender transition. The transition is that we were once lost, but now we're found. I feel so humbled, so grateful when I pause in all the years that I've been with Christ and I pause and I say, you know what? Man, I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was on my way down a dark, dark path, but Christ in his love scooped me up and now I'm on the path that leads to life. I'm on a journey, my faith walk, and it leads to life. I thank God for my transition from death to life. So as you walk with Christ in your faith walk, remember your transition. And may we not be a smug Christian that looks at other people in the world and say, oh man, you, you messed up. You got it all wrong. You're making wrong choices. But may we be so humbled with where we came from that we would be in a posture that says, you know what, I'm just one blind beggar showing another blind beggar where to find food. Because that's really what it is. Amen? Our walk with Christ, the walk of faith, is about the transition that we made from death to life, but then it's also about the position that we hold. And that's where Isaiah 61 comes in. Because the position that you hold in Christ is seated at the right hand of God. The position that you hold in Christ says that you are a royal priesthood, that you are a chosen generation, that you are a special people, you and I. That's who Christ calls us. Amen? Um, I was going to share about the story of Job, but I think I'm going to pivot a little bit and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. We're talking about the walk of faith. The walk of faith. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race with endurance the cross. scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, it's Super Bowl. And as I was thinking about our position in Christ, I thought of, I came across one of the Super Bowl players of the 49ers and he was professing his faith, and I think he's a new NFL player. I don't follow football, but um, anyway. So I'm, I'm reading about him. I, I even forget his name. 
poor guy. I can't even acknowledge his name. He's, he's come up to the fame. Pardon? Oh, so anyway, so this guy, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be playing in the NFL today, this young, young buck, and super excited and super full of faith. And I, I just thought, in our walk of faith, I looked at him, and I said, you know, in, in a period of time, he was a college ball player, right, which... It's a big deal, but it's not an NFL player, right? So he's playing college ball. He's doing his thing. And then he gets drafted to the NFL, okay? And this is what happens, what happened when he got drafted to the NFL. He took on the pride, right? Everybody know he in the NFL now. I mean, he's wearing the jersey. He's on all the commercials, right? The dude's in the NFL. He took on the pride. He took on the honor. He took on the discipline, because he got drafted to play the game. He's going to be in the game today. He disciplined. He did whatever was needed to, to be in the game. And the duty of what it meant. And he took on the duty of what it meant to be an NFL football player. Come on, saints. Do you see the correlation here? I, I want to take this off because I'm excited. You and I are positioned in Christ. You and I are positioned in Christ. The Bible says that we are a royal priesthood. We're a special people. This is all the people. We're the special ones. We're not, we're not like the cheerleader who, who got to be in second, drafted second. No, she's like head captain. We're the head captains. Amen. We are in the game every single Sunday. We get to be a part of the game. We get to be a part of the fight. We get to be a part of the war. And just like the NFL player, you and I have all the jersey we need. We got the armor of God. We got the sword of the spirit. We got you and I to link arms to when things are going tough. I mean, we pray for Uncle Maui every single day. My daughter writes to him. Why? Because we need each other. We are a team, just like the NFL, we are a team. And the good news is, not only are we a team, but we're on the winning team, baby. We are on the winning team. And I thought, man, as we walk out our faith, and here, I thought it was so ironic that Pastor Jay texted me on Saturday, and I got this limp. And I'm like, oh, we're going to be talking about the walk of faith, and here I am limping. And I thought, what a cool analogy, because you know what? This is my life sometimes. I'm not taking on Isaiah 61 where the Lord reminds me that even though I'm not qualified, he still calls me and I'm still anointed and I still got what it takes. Why? Because I am weak and he is strong. But yet I'd be walking like this and I say, oh, I don't don't know what to say or I don't don't have what it takes or, you know, what if somebody judges me or, you know, I I can't really like public speak. Oh, come on, brother. We got what it takes. We have the armor of God. We are positioned. I love the analogy. I love the analogy because this guy, he is proud. Are you proud to be a Christian? Are you telling, speaking from the mountaintop? You know this was going to be an issue because Jesus had to say, "Don't take your light and hide it underneath the bag." We got some Christians that act like say they're Christians, but they don't act like a Christian. 
or they say they're Christians, but they're scared to profess they're Christian or to be known as a Christian. I heard this quote, and it really stuck with me. It says, if you're going to believe something, believe it with all of your heart. And that, that helps me. That really helps me. Because there are many times that I don't want to come up here because of condemnation or my own insecurities. But when I shine the light off of myself and onto Jesus, I am reminded of Christ in me. I'm reminded it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with God and what he wants to do through me. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to close with this. Matthew 24, 12 says, But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The one who endures to the end will be saved. Just lift your hands to heaven.